not sure who's reading it, actually. Good morning. Um, today's reading is Luke 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 22 and through 25. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Father, I thank you for uh, this wonderful opportunity to read your word, um, for speaking to us so clearly, Lord, how, how powerful you are, um, and that you have dominion over all things, Lord, on heaven, in heaven and on earth, and uh, you're able to calm not only the storms of nature, but the storms of our uh, anxious hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. And we thank you for that. And we, we just thank you for another opportunity to come together as a family of believers to worship you and to renew our faith, Lord, through your word and through prayer and through um, just being together as a congregation to, wor to worship you and to hear your word. In Jesus' precious name, thank you, mighty God. Amen. Thanks, man. Can you all hear me? Is this on? It is. Thanks, man. Uh, good morning. Um, like, like Nick said, typically I, I, it's awkward for me to be up here without a guitar. I might just, we'll see. We'll see how things go. I might grab the guitar later and just wear it. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I got a text last night. Um, and Nick said, what if we switch? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, I, I'm prepared. I've come prepared. Uh, I had a little more time than that. Um, but no, it is actually just such a, a blessing, and uh, it's just really cool to get the chance to, to dig into the Word and come up here and, and share. And I also just love that we have a team of, of people that can jump in and lead worship and uh, it, it lifts a weight off of my shoulders, so it's such a, a blessing there. But um, as we get into this, I'm also not used to using my left hand. I'm usually holding a mic, so we'll see what happens with this thing. But um, really excited to get into the story that Ed read for us. And I think for most of us, it's a familiar story, uh, Jesus calming the storm. It's something that uh, even if you didn't grow up in church, like you've probably heard that story uh, or stories like it. And so as we get in, and 
look at this and my prayer throughout the prep journey has been, you know, number one, like, why should we care about this story that happened, right, years and years ago, centuries ago? Uh, on the other side of the ocean, like, just, it's just so far removed from us, like, why should we care? Um, what does it show us about Jesus? What, that's something that we should be looking at, that we should ask ourselves. And then in light of that, you know, how do we respond? What, what, is, what does it mean for us? Um, and so I would like to, to press in and, and seek to do that together. And I am, I, I'm excited because just in the journey of, of preparing and digging into the word, like I've just been challenged. There have been hard, hard moments and hard truths, but also so encouraged uh, and just in awe of God and his sovereignty, his goodness and, and his compassion for us. Um, so we'll get to, to that, but I kind of want to start by just digging into the context a bit with you and just to put ourselves in the sandals, if you will, of the disciples uh, who up until this point in Luke, right, they've all been called by Jesus. And so he has encountered them and called them and they have left a tremendous amount behind. Uh, they really rolled the dice on him, right? And so they've left family, they've left jobs and community and stability uh, to follow Jesus around. And what we've seen is that so far it seems like this worthy endeavor, right? Like they have seen Jesus perform incredible miracles and say profound, wise things. And there's this just building of anticipation, like where is this going? And uh, here we find them, right, doing exactly that. Jesus says, let's go. Let's go across the lake. Uh, and all of a sudden, they find themselves in this very dangerous situation uh, where they're right in a small boat in the middle of a giant lake, and there's a huge storm that's raging around them. And I want to just for a minute think about what they say to Jesus, right? So first off, Jesus is asleep, so questions there. But they're not just like, hey, Jesus, like, it's getting a bit choppy. You think we could tone this down, right? Like they're crying out, Master. We're dying. Like, they didn't think, like, it wasn't just a stressful night at sea. It was the last night, right? Like, that's what they were thinking. This is it. And they are terrified. And so, you know, I think um, we may not, you know, have similar, I don't know if anybody else has a sketchy boat story. You know, maybe you can come up and share it later. But we can relate to the idea of being in a storm. Like, that's, I think it's a universal feeling of like, I'm out of control, I'm confused, I'm desperate, what, what's going to happen? And I just imagine the disciples at this moment, they have come so far, they've followed Jesus, they've left so much behind. Do you think that they had a moment of doubt, of questioning like his judgment, his power, that they had already seen in so many magnificent ways, but it's like, what are we doing here? You know, his goodness, like he, this was his idea. Like, if he is who he's saying he is, why? Why why are we here? Um, and I think we can relate to that, too. That sense of questioning and doubt and confusion. And uh, if you continue on in Luke 8, if you read past this point, which I'd encourage you to do, we actually see some examples of other people walking through their own versions of a storm. Right? We see a demon-possessed man who's been tormented by evil spirits, and it says that he's living in the catacombs, chained up, naked, unable to do anything, like he is hopeless. We see a bleeding woman who's been sick for 12 years, and her illness has made her 
completely ostracized from the society. She's alone. It says that she spent all her money on physicians and nothing worked. So she's desperate. Um, we see two mortified parents that are facing every parent's worst nightmare, the loss of their only daughter. These are storms that we just, we would never choose to be in. We would never put ourselves in that situation. But, but here we are, right? And, and I, I can't help but think, like, as I'm reading, I'm just like, God, why? Like, and I think we all ask that. I think the disciples are saying that. Why me? Why this? And I think that just captures a lot of, of our experience. I think we can all, right, if we had a show of hands, it's like, surely most of us would raise our hands, right? If not, unfortunately, I think the reality is the storms do come, right? Maybe it's, it's that the bills are just keep piling up and there's not enough money to pay them. Maybe you get the call from the doctor's office and the scans weren't what we were praying for, right? Um, maybe it's that all you ever wanted in life was to have a partner to walk with you through life, a spouse, and they just haven't come. Or maybe you got that. Maybe you got that spouse, but then your marriage fell apart, and so you're just feeling totally betrayed and alone and bewildered. We all experience those types of things where it's just like, what? how did I get here? And like, why? Why is this happening to me? Um, and I think, you know, the, the heavy reality is that in this life, those storms will come. And so I think for me, the question is like, well, where is Jesus in this? Like, where do we go from here? And so I want to spend the next few minutes making three observations about where Jesus is in the storm. And so as we look at this, the first observation, we'll have it up on the screen, is that Jesus was in the boat with the disciples during the storm. He was not distant. He wasn't on shore. He wasn't far away. He was in the boat. He is... Emmanuel, he's God with us. Um, and, and even in the story, like he wasn't in, he wasn't with them in the way that they would have wanted. Like he's literally sleeping, he's taking a nap. And they think, they're like, we're about to die and, and what are you doing? Um, but he's with them. And so the first observation is that he's in the boat with us, that Jesus is, is beside us in the storm. In uh, Deuteronomy, God says two times, which anytime in the, in the Bible, if you see something repeated, like take note, just your ears should perk up a little bit. Uh, what is this? But he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And in Psalm 34, he says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And then even Jesus, he's going to tell the disciples in the future, right? At the end of Matthew, he's about to ascend into heaven. And he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, even to the end of the age. This, the next observation, uh, and this, this gets a bit tricky, is that Jesus led them into the storm. Uh, it was his idea, right, to cross the lake. And I don't know if he was either just really bad at, like, reading the weather signs. Maybe, you know, it's like, it looks fine. Or if he was caught off guard, maybe he was surprised. But I think we all know that's not the case, that Jesus is God. He's the God-man, right? He's sovereign. And we even see at the end of the story, he has authority over the storm. He was not, he was in the same boat, right, as the, disciples, but in another way, he wasn't on the same boat, right? Like, he, he understood what was happening, and he was sovereign over it, and yet he still chose to lead them into it. I think that's really, like, that should strike us a bit as, like, what? Like, I can easily conceptualize that for them, way back then, on the lake, and I know the end of the story, 
But how does that apply to our storms? How does that apply to us and to the very real pain and the very real loss and the very real confusion that we experience? And I think we can find the answer to that in our, in our third observation, which really boils down to like my kind of statement in this talk, in this sermon, and that is that Jesus brings us into storms that we would never choose in order to reveal himself in ways we would have never imagined. I just, I think about it. Let's talk through this with the disciples. If they had remained safely on shore, would they have experienced Jesus' presence and power in and over the storm? They wouldn't have. The stories that we kind of reference, like if you continue to read, the woman who bled for 12 years. I mean, I read that over and over, and it's just like, why? Like, why so long? And I think some of us feel that way. We're like, why has this taken so long? Like, I've begged you. I've prayed. We've waited and waited and waited and nothing. And in her story, if she had, you know, spent her money on the physicians and it had worked, she would have missed the Messiah, God in the flesh. The one who, uh, in uh, Colossians, where'd it go? Or in Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That is who looked her in the eye and said, my daughter, your faith has made you well. That wouldn't have happened without the storm for her, right? And so Jesus was preparing her for that. He was saving that experience for her. At the end of of Job, right, and if you're familiar with the story of Job, he loses everything. He's a wealthy guy, big family. Everything seems perfect. It's the dream come true. And all of his children die. And his wealth slowly comes to complete ruin. His friends abandon him. His health leaves him. And he's, he's just left in the dust. But notice what he says. We're going to read Job 42.5. This is him speaking to God. At the end of all of this, I had heard rumors about you. But now my eyes have seen you. It's so powerful. It was through it that he had seen him in a new way. That he had become so real. He had revealed himself in a way that Job could not have fathomed prior And I want to be really careful here. Uh, I don't want this to sound like some reverse prosperity gospel where, hey, we go through the hard stuff so that we can kind of come out better on the other side, right? It's not that God wants to just give us some nugget of wisdom or some lesson to learn in every bit of suffering, although we do learn, right? But it's not about a lesson. It's about a person, the person. And it's not about getting an answer to our suffering, it's about getting his presence in it. And I think, you know, we want to look like when we're in it, we're either completely shut off and hard, or we're saying like, okay, just like, let's get this over with. What's, teach me what you need to teach me so we can move on. And I think that the reality is Jesus isn't trying to teach us something new. He's trying to make us into something new. And Paul talks about this in Romans 8. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. 
Right? He's speaking about the fact that, hey, though we face suffering in the midst of it, in the midst of the storm, God is sovereign and he is using it to sculpt us into something truly glorious, like beyond what we can fathom. And kind of two thoughts that I have, like two emotions that I, that I sit with when I am in this place is just that, number one, that is such good news. But number two is it doesn't feel like good news right now, right? Like, is, does anybody else feel the disconnect? Like, hopefully I'm not the only one that's like, okay, cool, but it, ouch, <laughs> like this still hurts. Um, and I think there's a lot of us here in the room that would, that would feel that, you know, hopefully with me that, like, there's just a weariness from the storms that just haven't let up, right? It's just still pounding us, and the healing and the, the breakthrough the resurrection that we have begged for has not come. And so we may not doubt that he's present. We may not doubt that he's sovereign. But we're just beginning to doubt, like, is God good? Like, can I trust that this is actually worth it? This is for my good. Does he actually care? Maybe he is really just asleep because he doesn't care. And I, I want to share just something that really just blew me away. Um, let's, let's read from Matthew 26, verse 38. It says, Then Jesus said to them, My soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Have any of us ever felt that? Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So what's happening here? What is this about? Right? This is the Garden of Gethsemane the night before the cross. This is um, Jesus having a why me, why this moment. Which just completely blows my mind that, that he understands. The one who has power over the storm the one who brings us into the storms, he himself has faced the storm and he's chosen it for us. He's present in our storms. He can empathize with the despair, with the agony, with the confusion that we feel because he's felt it, he's experienced it. And we see that after this moment where in other gospel accounts it literally says that Jesus was sweating blood like true agony and despair and just feeling the weight of the storm. He faithfully walks to the cross, the greatest storm that this world has ever seen. He takes on the full wrath, the righteous wrath of God towards all sin. He even takes on the rejection of the Father, right? That says that God the Father turns his face away and he chooses it so that we never have to. It's so beautiful. It transforms us. It's his, his presence in the midst. Because that, that's the presence, right? Like, like zooming into that, that this is the one whose presence we are given. This is who's in the boat. And that begins to shape us and change us. And I can't help but share, there's uh, just a story that has really hit me. Um, many of you know my wife, Taylor, and that she has a sister named Kaylin who... Uh, lived with severe dis disabilities for her entire life. And she was nonverbal. She couldn't walk. She couldn't feed herself. 
Um, oh, I thought that cut out. She, she relied on her family for every, every single thing. And uh, Kendra, Taylor's mom, was telling us this story after Kaylin had died. And she said that when Kaylin was a baby, they were beginning to realize that things weren't right. And so the fear was just creeping in. And there, there was a specific appointment where like, the veil was kind of pulled back and the full weight of what Kaylin's life would look like was made known. And Kendra was in the van, Kaylin's in the back sleeping, and, and she just begins to scream and just, God, why? Like, why me? Why are you doing this? Why her? Why my girl? Why? Just yelling, pounding the, the steering wheel. And she said it, st- it stopped her in her tracks that she felt God's voice saying, because I love you. And, I mean, it's giving me the chills right now. And it totally just left her speechless. Like, it wasn't even, I think, a comfort at that moment. But it's just like, the yelling stopped. Like, she was just totally left speechless with that. And, and she tucked it away. And she pondered it. And she held on to that moment. And the storm continued to roll in, right? Um, years, years went on of life with Kaylin, of... Um, you know, hospital visits and surgeries and doctor's appointments and therapists and meals through a feeding tube and all of that. And also her little mat in the living room was like the center of their world. So that's where we would, would eat meals and where we would hang out and spend time with her. And like when Taylor and I were dating, we would sing, we'd sit on the mat and play songs and, um, you know, just years and years of, of doing life with her went by. And Kendra found herself again on the mat with Kaylin and just marveling at the gift of her life. And she knew that, that her time was short. And in fact, a couple weeks later, she would pass away. But she found herself again looking at Kaylin and saying, God, why me? Why did you choose me for this? How could you love me so much that I get to be Kaylin's mom, that I get the honor of caring for her? that I get to love her. The storm around her had not gone away. And she said this on the phone. We both were crying. She said, the storm within had been calmed. How, how does that happen? Like how, how do, you know, and again, not that we want that to happen. Not that we want those things, but how does something so horrible be redeemed into something that where you can say, God, why, how could you love me so much to give me this? Right? The why me changed. It transformed from despair and resentment to humility and gratitude. And, you know, I, I think it's the presence of Jesus with us, the one who understands. It's the love of the Father who has experienced the loss of a child that begins to transform us. And that storm within begins to calm. Like Job said, I had heard rumors about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Right? In this story, Kendra had seen God through Kaylin's life and her death. And I think that's 
the invitation to us is that, right, some of us right now, we can say, I've been through the storms and I can see it all. I can see God in it. I can say what Job said. But some of us are like, I'm up to here, right, in the water, and I can see the waves coming and I have no clue how I'm going to make it out. Like, that's, that's both happening, right? We're, we're all here. And, and I think that we have this, this hope that's not necessarily always going to be a present comfort or a balm, but it's an unshakable hope that our Savior Jesus is in the boat with us, that he can deeply empathize with what we're feeling in the storm, and that he is sovereign, and, and that we see, I don't, we can't forget the end of the story. We can't forget the end. We can, we can sit, we need to sit with the realities of the beginning. But look at the end, right? Ultimately, he will calm all the storms. Ultimately, he will heal all that is broken. Ultimately, his light will swallow up all darkness and life will swallow up death. So we have this hope. I want to go ahead and, and honestly just take a moment um, to respond and to pray because this isn't just something we can easily like be like, cool, got it, check, let's move on. Um, it's heavy, but, it, but it's so good at the same time. And so I, 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 I have to bring this up. I keep thinking about, I feel like every uh, time I preach, this quote comes up, but the uh, C.S. Lewis talking about Aslan, where Mr. Beaver is describing Aslan, and they say, is he safe? Right? And Aslan's the Jesus figure in the story. Mr. Beaver says, of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And we have this opportunity in the midst of the storms, or maybe we're coming out of the storms again, wherever you find yourself, there's an opportunity to lean in to the goodness of our king. And to know that, that, that he can empathize with us. That he loves us. And that ultimately, he, we would never choose the storms. He chose the greatest storm. So that we would not have to pass through it. And so if he can do that, he can calm the storms within us. And he can walk with us in it. So let's pray. Jesus, I just...